Good morning. We almost had a catastrophe this morning. I couldn't find my glasses. I kept going over there and over there and over there and over there, and I accidentally pressed this as well, so we're just going to go back. Oh, my goodness, I finally found them, so we are okay. Welcome this morning. It's so exciting to be in the house of God, is it not? Especially when we didn't know what today held. We were talking earlier because we didn't know how many people would be able to come out today, how many are staying at home. So it's really, really good to see you in the house of God. And we welcome those of you who are joining us online this morning and unable to be with us. And we just pray right now that God will speak through his word and be a blessing and an encouragement to us this morning. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just humble ourselves before you now, and we are so incredibly grateful for your presence. Holy Spirit, we ask that you move here in our church today, and you move through this medium of the internet into the homes of people who are watching. And Father, I just ask that you will be uplifted this morning, that people will see you as the true God, that they will feel encouraged in these times of unrest. Now, Lord, may you be glorified, may you be lifted up, may the focus be holy and solely on you this morning, in thy precious and holy name, amen. Well, it is really good to be in the house of the Lord this morning, because many of you know that I was ground zero for COVID last week. I didn't expect to be, um, but yes, I was the first one in the church to get COVID, and I was like, wow, this is um, something and um, to be totally honest with you, prior to getting COVID, I had been unwell and I had been tested the Wednesday before and my doctor had called me and told me I had, was on the verge of pneumonia. And so I had gotten those test results back on the Thursday and on Saturday I started feeling unwell and I just kind of thought that, you know, it was part of this pneumonia thing that was happening in my lungs. I wasn't able to get tested until the Monday, didn't come to church on Sunday just in case. And on Monday, I went and got tested, didn't get the results back till Wednesday and received the positive notice that I had COVID. And so the fact that my lungs had been already in jeopardy and then getting COVID, I, I feel so grateful to God for his hand upon my life over these last little while. And, and to tell you the truth, you know, I felt really lousy for a couple of days and then when I started feeling better and I was quarantined in my room, I had a lot of fun. I got a chance to relax. My family brought me food. I didn't have to do the dishes or laundry. Seven days. Seven days of relaxation. It was pretty, pretty good. Not everybody has that fortunate experience with COVID, um, but um, I am grateful to God. So for those of you, I am 100% okay now, and um, I'm so glad and so honored to bring you the Word of God this morning. So this morning, we are going to be looking at First Kings. The title of the sermon today, and I don't know why this is, keeps going on, but can we bring it back to the journey, because I'm not sure where that is. Um, we're talking about the journey, the journey of life, the uncertainty of life. So I want to draw our attention to this amazing prophet by the name of Elijah. As we 
delve into 1 Kings, we often heard of Elijah. In fact, Elijah is the most well-known prophet in the Bible. He is spoken about 30 times in the New Testament. In fact, when when Jesus took James and John and Peter up to the Mountain Transfiguration, it was Moses and Elijah that appeared to him. You see, Elijah was one of these extraordinary men. He was actually an ordinary man. He was an ordinary man who was able to do amazingly, oh my goodness, I'm lousy at this. He was an ordinary man who was able to do extraordinary things because of his obedience to God. Yet this ordinary man cried out at the very beginning. He said, oh, can you bring it back to the second slide, please? I'm not sure why I'm having trouble to this. As you can see, as a woman, I should be a multitasker, but this thing just does my head in each and every time. The word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So here's this amazing man of God in a place of crisis. Who was Elijah? Who was this man that became one of the most famous prophets in the Bible, who is mentioned 30 times in the New Testament? Do you know we don't really know? What we do know about him is he's a Tishbite from Tishbe. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1, that's what they say. He is a Tishbite from Tishbe. I wonder at this time what his world looks like. It's really great sometimes to speak about these prophets or to speak, but if we don't understand their situation, it's actually really hard to understand the story. So Elijah, who is the Tishbite from Tishbe, and if you Google that, you're not going to come up with very much. It kind of tells you the region of where they thought, but nothing else. We don't know anything else about Elijah. He was an ordinary man who came from a remote place like Townsville. If you were to ask people in the world where Townsville was, nobody would be able to tell you. You ask where Sydney or Melbourne is and people will be able to say something. But he came from Tishbe and it was a, a remote place nobody knew. You see, in context, he enters into the scene when there's a lot of stuff happening in Israel. This is happening in 1 Kings. The book of Kings is divided into 1 and 2 Kings, but it's actually a book of one. They broke it into two because they're very large books. The reason Kings exists is because it talks about David had unified the 12 tribes of Israel. He had brought them together. And he created a kingdom. And from this kingdom, from the day, lineage of David, was supposed to come the messianic king. Now, at this point in Elijah's life, he did not know. He did not know about who this messianic king was, but he, he knew about the prophecy. 
that this messianic king would be coming. And the whole book of Kings is about kings that have come before. And these kings did a horrible job. Up to verse 17, chapter 17 in Kings, it talks about how one king after another did evil in the sight of God. One after the other, after the other, after the other. And then we get to chapter 16 and we get to King Ahab. And a lot of people know about King Ahab. A lot of people know about King Ahab. And it says here, in the 38th year of Asa, the king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omni, became king of Israel. And he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Now, you know when we get a bad leader and we think three or four years is hard? Can you imagine living with a king for 22 years? That is an extremely bad leader. For 22 years he reigned. Ahab, son of Omni, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebah, but he also married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians. And he began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up the altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, and then he built that he had built in Samaria. Ahab also made an, Ash, uh, an Astherath pole and did more to, to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did the kings of Israel before him. We know from just this portion of scripture that Elijah is living in a time of great uncertainty. The God of Israel has been abandoned. As soon as King Ahab married Jezebel, Jezebel went to put to death the prophets of God. She sought them out to put them to death. She destroyed anything that had to do with the God of Israel and erected anything that had to do with Baal. People were confused. People were uncertain about what was happening. All of a sudden, everything that they had known or had experienced before had disappeared. And now this Baal, this, this God of Baal was showing up and they were to being told to serve this God. Kind of like today a little bit, don't you think? That we are living in a society today where we have great uncertainty. There are a few people who would have some memory of the war. But I grew up in a generation of great peace. I don't know what it is. This is really new to me. What is it to have an epidemic in our world? We live in a time of massive uncertainty. Christianity, more than ever, is being attacked. Our belief system and how we believe is being questioned. We don't know what tomorrow holds, and neither did Elijah. He had no idea what tomorrow held. But this ordinary man was extremely obedient to God. And as I stand here this morning and I look out amongst this congregation, we are all very ordinary men and women of God who have the ability with our obedience to do great things for God. How encouraging is that?
that even though we're going through a time of uncertainty, God is going to take us and he is going to use us because he is a faithful God. And as we read through this story, we see how faithful he was. The first time Elijah comes on the scene is in verse 1. Now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. This is the very first thing that we hear come out of Elijah's mouth. The Tishbite from Tishbe, the ordinary man, goes before the king whose wife is killing the prophets of God, putting them to death because and destroying anything that has to do with the God of Israel. And he goes with courage before the king of Ahab And not only does he proclaim that he serves the Lord, the God of Israel, but he prophesies. And he says that there is going to be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. What courage for an ordinary man to go forward and to say things like that. So he goes, and the next thing we know that God takes Elijah and he hides him. The word says, and the word of the Lord came to Elijah and he said, leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kerith ravine near the east of Jordan. You will drink from the brook that I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kerith ravine east of Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Elijah's life was a life of obedience. He did what God called him to do. He went and he hid. Did he know for how long? No, he didn't. Did he know how long the water would be there? There's no rain now coming on the earth. No, he didn't. And as that brook started to dry up, wonder how Elijah felt. He had no idea what tomorrow held, but his trust and his belief in God was huge. I wonder when that water started drying up, if he started to feel a bit anxious about tomorrow. He had the bread, but he didn't have the water. Or was this full trust in God? The Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm going to err to think that he truly knew that God had him. Tomorrow may be different from today. I looked on the COVID statistics. Last week when I had COVID, there was only 100 people in Townsville. We're only seven days in, really. Seven days in, and now there's 700 people with COVID in Townsville. We don't have any idea what tomorrow holds. And as Elijah did, we need to trust and believe that God's got us in his hand. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there was no rain. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath, to the region of Sidon, and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. 
The thing that gets me about this portion of scripture is that God has directed Elijah to go and Elijah will, but he's already got the provision in place. He already knows how he's going to feed and take care of Elijah. He says, I have spoken to a widow there and she will supply you with food. The obedience of Elijah is now having an impact in another person's life. Because he's obedient, he is now ministering to a widow and to her son. It might not be a really big thing to go and spend this time with a widow, but God has really huge ideas here. And sometimes here at church, we forget, we don't see the small things. We're looking for the big and enormous things that we can do for God when sometimes it's just that visit to a widow and her son. Or maybe it's just sitting here and using the gifts that God has given you. We've got a room full of people with full of gifts. We've got people who have amazing ability to make other people feel welcome. As soon as you speak to them, people just go, wow, I feel like I belong. This is really cool. Other people have the gift of hospitality and they can serve and people really love the way that they make coffee. Don't get me to make coffee, but get Natasha to make coffee and she does a really great job. Other people have gifts of administration. Other people are sitting at the back and they have gift with music and technology. You see, God has created his church to be a group of people made of different giftings to serve him. Isn't that incredibly exciting? Because as a church, we go into tomorrow gifted, able to serve other people and reach out and touch other people because God has gifted us. And as Elijah goes and he goes to the widow and her son and obeys God, God is now speaking into someone else's life. So incredible when you read this. So he went to Zareph. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called her and asked her, would you bring a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? Seems simple enough, but we forget it's a drought. How easy is that little bit of water in a jar? Well, we realize it's not as easy. She turns to go get it, but then he said, bring me a piece of bread. Now, this woman had been living in this house full of fear. She had been gathering sticks because it was the last time she was going to be able to make a meal for her and her son. And she gathers those sticks and she's prepared to make this final meal and God sends Elijah to her. And Elijah comes and he says, listen, what I'd like you to do is make me some bread. And she goes, but sir, sir, I only have enough for my son and myself. And Elijah says to her, do not be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me. Go and make a meal for yourself and your son, but make one for me first. Whoa. Wow, can you see the difficulty in this? As any mom here, to put somebody else ahead of your child and to feed them knowing you only have so much. 
the faith that must have taken. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the land. That's what happened. She goes home and she trusts God and God provides her needs. God used Elijah to reach out and to touch someone else. Sometimes we miss those little things in life, do we not? In reaching out in other ways, we come and we're so busy. I promise myself all the time when somebody says, hey, Tara, how was your week? And I go, ah, I, I try so hard not to say it was busy, but before I know it, it pops out of my mouth. And the reason it pops out, because it is busy. We are busy people. It doesn't matter how much we do, we never catch up. Funny, though. I fell sick last week. I found time to rest. Things happen, and we somehow find time to fit things in. But do we find that time? to be obedient to God and to do the little things he is asking us to do that we have no idea might have a massive impact on someone's life. No idea. When I was in Canada, um, there was a, a lady there who um, had no children, she was elderly. She was in her probably her late 70s, early 80s. Her husband had been put into a nursing home. And um, somehow I got to meet her. I can't even remember how, but I, she just needed a bit of administration stuff done for her. And so I started helping with her with that because my mom lived in the apartment down below and I would just go up and help her. And in Canada, Valentine's Day is quite big. It's really huge. And um, I was at the shops one day and they had this, this little teddy bear and this plant. And I looked at it and I felt that prompting in my heart. Buy that and give this to that lady. And I thought to myself, oh, no, don't be foolish. You know, that might bring up bad memories. I, you know, and I had all the excuses under the sun and I thought, no, I'm going to listen and I don't often do this because I am learning as well to listen to that small, still voice. But I bought it and I put it outside her door and I said, I know if Hans was here today, he would get you this bear and this plant to tell you how much he loved you. And I left it. It had a profound impact on her. A profound impact on her. She was a lonely lady, and just knowing that somebody cared to do that was immense. Now, I don't say that to bring accolades to myself because I miss these opportunities so much, but the prompting of God was so strong in my heart to do this. It is those little things, and because of Elijah's obedience, we see a widow and her son come to know the power of the living God.
We're going to skip ahead. There is so much. There's so many things that can be said about Elijah's life, but I'm going to skip ahead. And I'm going to skip to the time where Elijah was asked that God again told Elijah, go, present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went and presented himself to Ahab. This is a part of the story that is quite unique because there is a man here by the name of Obadiah and Obadiah was one of the servants or one of the um, part of the army of um, Ahab, but he served the Lord. And when the prophets of God were being put to death, he went and he grabbed them and he took a hundred of them and he hid them in caves and he fed them, gave them water and bread. And Elijah goes to him, he says, now bring me to King Ahab. And he gets scared and Obadiah says to him, what, what are you doing if I go and bring you? They've been looking for you everywhere. And if, if I bring you, he's going to put me to death. And Elijah said, be peace, I will be here. Take me to, the, take me to King Ahab. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah, and when he saw Elijah, he said, Is that you, troublemaker of Israel? Remember we saw that on the video? That was word for word, what we saw this morning. On, Is that you, troublemaker of Israel? And Elijah said, I have not made trouble for Israel, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah to eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent the word throughout Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. And Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between opinions? If it is the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. You know, as, as people today, we think, oh my goodness, how can you serve this piece of stone? You know, we sit here and we, th we can easily be judgmental over the, with the Israelites. But the thing is, is we forget that we have our own bales in our life today, do we not? Things that distract us from God. Things that have taken over our life that we don't even realize have taken over our life. Things that we seek after, power, fame, money. We look to what the world has to offer and in the end we work so hard and we use all our time for that. And we don't have much to show for it in the end. We are really not much different than the Israelites when it comes to the way we spend our time. Elijah warns us here, choose the God in whom you will serve. If the Lord is God, serve him. If Baal is God, serve him. From the video, we know exactly what happened. The prophets of Baal put their altar before. They cried out to Baal and they said, send fire from heaven. And Baal does not respond because Baal is not real. Elijah represents God one person, one person kneels before, cries out to God, 
And the powerful fire falls from heaven, consumes not only the offering, but consumes the wood and the stones and around it. After, after putting on 12 jars full of water in a time of famine and in a time of drought. And God sends fire from heaven. And all of a sudden, everyone cries out and they're excited and they're exuberant and they go, Oh my goodness, it is God. And God is revealed to the people of Israel. Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let any of them get away. And they seized them and Elijah had brought them down to Kishon Valley and he slaughtered them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat and drink for there is a sound of heavy rain. I often wonder here at this time, I like to put myself into the stories and I'm wondering what Ahab is thinking. So all the prophets of Baal have been taken away. God has shown his power. The Israelite falls, falls prostrate before the Lord God. And Ahab goes and eats and drinks. I am sure Ahab himself had some kind of excitement inside him. He goes to celebrate this. And Elijah goes and does what he says he would do. God is going to send rain back on the land and he goes to pray. And he has a servant with him and he prays seven times. The first time he goes, he says, go check out towards the sea. And there was nothing. Seven times he sent his servant out there. On the seventh time, a little cloud appears. And Elijah says, go and tell great, great floods are coming. I can imagine how excited Elijah was. Look at what he's just gone through. He's seen God's faithfulness with the widow and her son. He has seen God work through the prophets of Baal and show his mightiness. How exciting. He would have been on this, this spiritual high. And the Bible says that, meanwhile, when the sky grew black and the clouds and the wind rose and the heavy rain started to fall, and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came upon Elijah and he tucked up his cloak under his belt and he started to run ahead of Elijah, ahead of Ahab. And he's running and he's tearing down. He's excited. God has blessed. How exciting. Now Ahab goes back and he tells his wife Jezebel about it. Hey, Jezebel, you know all those Baal prophets you brought over, they're all dead. When God begins to move, Satan isn't very happy. I can tell you now when God starts to move in his, in his church, Satan isn't happy. And Jezebel gets angry. And she says this to Elijah, may the gods deal with me ever so severely if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. She threatens Elijah's life. Now with everything that Elijah has experienced and everything that Elijah has gone through, you would think Elijah would go, bring it on. Come on, bring it on. But Elijah doesn't. Elijah gets scared. He's an ordinary man. He gets scared. 
How many times does that happen to us when we forget the faithfulness of our God? And a pandemic hits, and there's 700 cases in Townsville, and we have a health issue, and we are concerned, and we get scared. You see, God has never forsaken Elijah. He is still there. But all of a sudden, Elijah forgets, and he gets scared. And the Bible said he ran for his life. He turns to the Lord and he says this to God. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. How many of us have hit that brick wall? I know I have. I know I have gone and I have sobbed. And I go, I can't do this anymore. Whatever it is, whatever had been happening at the time, I just can't do this anymore, God. Take my life. Put me someplace else. This is just way too hard. I cannot do this anymore. You know, we stand on the precipice. We are starting 2022. We don't know what tomorrow held. A year ago, we stood here in 2021, and we didn't know what 2021 held. And 2021 was tough for some people. Some people had a hard 21, 2021. Other people, it just was another year of COVID and whatever else the world had to offer. But there's not one time in 2021, whether you were going through the really bad times or the really great times, that your God forsake you. Not one time did he ever leave you. Not one time did he leave you on your own. And here Elijah, he's at the end, he has hit that brick wall and he goes, I can't do this anymore. I can't. And all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and he lay down again. You see, in Elijah's weakness, his God didn't forsake him. His God was there. Brought him food and water to drink. And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. Our God understands our human weaknesses. Sometimes we put our own guilt trips on ourselves. And we feel like, man, God, I've just so disappointed you. He knows that we fail. He never has stopped loving us. Our God is a God of faithfulness. And this last part here, the second time the angel of the Lord said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. We sit here and we think, yeah, but you know what, Tara? An angel came and touched Elijah and woke him up. You know what? I would believe too if an angel did that to me. Today, back in Elijah's day, they didn't have the Bible. 
But today we have the bread of life. We have the word of God that gives us the sustenance we need to go day by day, that quenches our thirst and feeds us when we're hungry. I cannot tell you the number of times when I have been down and low and I have read the word of God and he has spoken to me. If you are not reading the word of God, if you are not on your knees praying, you are missing out hearing from the God who loves you. He uses other ways. He uses other people to speak into our lives in other ways, but the word of God is here and it's full of life. So what he's saying to you is he says, you know what? The journey is great. You need to be fed by the word of God. And you need to be, have your thirst quenched. So Elijah goes, he eats and he drinks. And the, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied in his full human way, I have been so zealous for you, God. Almighty, the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, get out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. And the Lord is about to pass by. Then there was a great and powerful wind that tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord, he wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. How often do we say, God, show me what you want me to do. And we look for the big things. And we fail to look that God is in all things. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for you, Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you will get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Don't give up. I'm here with you. Now go and do my work. This morning, there's people here, I want to encourage you. This isn't a message. This is a message of encouragement because you know what? 2022, we got no idea. We have no idea, but our foundation is built in knowing that God's got our tomorrow. You don't enter tomorrow by yourself. And when you go through those bad times, your God is there. And when you go through those good times, God is there. God never changes. 
He never leaves you. We're the ones that leave him. You need to be fed. The journey is great. And when God begins to reveal himself and wants you to be obedient to his word, look for the small things. Imagine, church, if each and every one of us here in this auditorium this morning gave a bit of our time back to God. Instead of being too busy and having too much going on, Imagine if we just gave a little bit back to God and we were able to touch the widow and her son. What if we came in here this, in, in on Sunday mornings and we all had a job to do? We all did some form of ministry in our church, be it at the welcome door, working in the techno side or helping out in the cafe or with youth or kids. And we all we're obedient to God's calling in our life to go and make disciples. I wonder how far God's love could stretch. People who walk through this door will feel like they're part of a family and they will feel like they belong because you know what? The people who are gifted in welcoming people will be at that door. And then when people move into the cafe, they will feel like they're part of a church because the people who are gifted in hospitality will be there. And when they bring their children, their children will know and learn about Jesus because the people who know how to teach kids and love children and appreciate the fragility and the little sponges they are that take in the love of God, they will be in their teaching and loving our children. How far could God Use this church. I have been in this church for seven years. And I am seeing the power of God move here. And I can tell you what. As a church, if we get on board and we use the giftings that God has given us, God will move. I challenge you, church, as we go into 2022, don't worry about tomorrow. He's gotcha. Worry about today. Worry about how can we take the gospel to others and not miss another opportunity. Use our church as a church that can hurt, reach out to the hurting. And as Elijah, who was an ordinary man, used in a very, very powerful way because of his obedience. We are so, so blessed. We are so blessed. And when we hit those brick walls, that's okay. Because you know what? God knows that we hit brick walls. Don't beat yourself up over it. Open the word of God. Get down on your knees and ask God, what do I do? And your God will be there and present and will always show you the way. He never leaves you and he never, ever forsakes you. So in 2022, let us be encouraged, so encouraged that we don't walk into 2022 with a life of COVID and uncertainty. We walk into 2022 
knowing that God's got us. And wouldn't it be great if we could share that same certainty with people out there who are scared? Because there's a lot of fear in our world right now. The world is ripe for the harvest. It is now our time to share how much God loves them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you for ordinary men like Elijah who were so obedient to you. Elijah could have said no. Elijah had a choice, but he had a call on his life and he listened. God, help us as your children of God to listen to that call. May you speak into our lives, oh God. May you challenge us daily. May we see our humanity for what it is. May we not replace our God with the, the, the idols in our lives of, of things that distract us with our time. But Lord, may you come first and foremost. May we be challenged by your word today, Lord, as I was challenged when I read your word. God, may you just bring it to mind throughout the week and help us, oh God, to use our time wisely. Help us, oh Father, to trust you and know that 2022 belongs to you. We give you glory, we give you praise, and we give you honor today in thy precious and holy name. Amen.